You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The views and opinions expressed by Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Good evening, To you, one and all, I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business. And hopefully, if all things are right with the universe and God is on his throne in heaven, you are hearing my voice right now. And we have successfully navigated through the dire straits of the blog talk radio archipelago and are now broadcasting well what a week what a week what a week in the news here on the home front well college started up and my daughter-in-law went off to her first classes and is having a wonderful time her first year in college so mazel tov and much congratulations to her Also, as you may have noticed, we seem to have come through 
the uh, misty, foggy wall of troubles that was between your wonderful LMC Radio Network and the good folks at Blog Talk Radio. Uh, now, because of that, you may notice that this evening you do not hear me quite as sharp and crisp as you have in the last few weeks. That is because Blog Talk Radio today uh, announced that apparently the cause of many of the problems was their switch over to high fidelity. So they have now switched us all back to low fidelity, regular broadcast. And so it's not as crisp or as clean, but baby, we're here. And we have got a lot of things to talk about. In fact, tonight we may go a little over our normal 90 minutes because we have got a lot of stuff to unpack. And before we go over to the newsroom, I want to talk a little bit about something. This falls somewhat out of the purview of hoodoo, conjure, root work, etc. And uh, I do so this with a firm tip of my hat to my dear sister, Beverly Smith, because this is a little more in her realm. And uh, she is, by the way, currently getting ready to go on a grand adventure, and we hope that she has a wonderful time. She'll be back in mid-September, and we're all looking forward to the return of In the Streets without any blog talk radio problems. So what I wanted to talk about here for a moment, and forgive me, is I want to talk a little bit about Donald Trump. Why? Well, because I think this is important. Let me start off by saying that no candidate, absolutely no candidate, gets to pick and choose who or whom endorses them. That's not at all their power. They can merely accept an endorsement or they can repudiate an endorsement. They can either say, oh, thank you so much, I'm so glad that Piano Tuners Local 503 came out uh, on my behalf, or they can say, uh, even though... Uh, the International Society for Puppy Killers has given me their endorsement. I do not stand with them or their positions. And that is important for me to say because as of this moment right now, when you are listening to the sound of my voice, I want to give you a small list of individuals who and groups who have currently endorsed Donald Trump, that Mr. Trump and his campaign have not yet officially come out and repudiated these endorsements. They have not come out and said, absolutely no, we're not going to deal with these, we don't stand with those people, screw them. They've just let it slide. And not all of these happened today, meaning there has been a good deal of time for Mr. Trump's campaign to pen letters to the public absolutely admonishing these groups and saying that they do not accept their endorsement. And so here's the short list. Former Grand Dragon, excuse me, Grand Wizard, of the Ku Klux Klan, David Duke, has come out and endorsed Donald Trump. The Daily Stormer, a leading neo-Nazi news site, 
has endorsed Trump. They did so on June 28th. Richard Spencer, director of the National Policy Institute, which promotes, quote, heritage, identity, and future of European people. They are also a hardline neo-national publication has come out on behalf. They've endorsed Mr. Trump. Jared Taylor, editor of American Renaissance, a Virginian-based white nationalist magazine, has endorsed Mr. Trump. Michael Hill, head of the League of the South, an Alabama-based white supremacist, supremacist secessionist group, has come out endorsing Mr. Trump. Brad Griffin, a member of Hill's League of the South and author of the popular white supremacist blog Hunter Wallace, has also come out in support of Donald Trump's campaign for presidency of the United States. Why do I bring this up to you? Because I think this is terribly important. Because it's not one individual. It's not just some guy in some back room who spouts off shit on the internet and poor Mr. Trump can't do a damn thing about it. Mr. Trump cannot, as I started this segment by saying, pick and choose who endorses him. He can, however, publicly either repudiate endorsements, say, no, I do not accept these endorsements and I do not support these people, or he can thank endorsements, or he can do what he's doing right now, which is remaining in silence about this. And so I'll, I feel that it is my responsibility as a broadcaster, as the host of the Now You Know show, and as a member of a community who practices a spiritual practice that comes primarily, instinctively, deeply, originally out of the African-American community that has admixtures to it from the Asian-American community, the Jewish-American community, the Hispanic and Latino-American community, to put this information before you. So that is my news for today, and I thank you for your patience in listening to me. Now we're going to go over to the newsroom. <clears throat> Wink Winkerson is not with us. He's got the flu. Uh, nothing worse than a case of the summer flu. We hope Wink <clears throat> will be, uh, I may have caught a little bit of it myself, Maybe uh, will be healed and better soon. Uh, Phil Patchy Fogg is not with us. He is currently uh, in Missouri uh, checking out the ongoing ground beef and toasted breadcrumb scandal that uh, apparently he's gotten wind of. He's become aware of a scandal going on in Missouri with the addition of toasted breadcrumbs to ground beef to increase their weight. And this is an issue uh, very near and dear to our own Patchy Fogg's heart. And so we said, okay, go on out to Missouri, get the news, bring it back to us. And so hopefully we'll hear something, uh, yay or nay, about the uh, toasted breadcrumb 
uh, ground meat scandal going on there. So tonight we are very proud and happy to have with us a very distinguished uh, and well-known radio news broadcaster. He uh, worked for a number of years locally uh, in the Houston area and then in San Antonio, and so he's going to be reading the news for us tonight. And so without further ado, we go over to the LMC Radio Newsroom and our own Chet Brink. Good evening. Today is Thursday, August 27th, the 239th day of 2015. There are 27 days until autumn begins and 126 days left in the year. Today and tomorrow are both auspicious days to castrate animals. Today's highlight in history... comes from August 27th, 1975, when, excuse me, comes from 1883, when the island volcano Krakatoa erupted with a series of cataclysmic explosions. The resulting tidal waves in Indonesia, Sunda Strait, claimed some 36,000 lives in Java and Sumatra. The sound of the explosion was the loudest recorded sound in human history. Also on this date, in 1928, the Kellogg Braid Pact was signed in Paris, outlawing war and providing for the peaceful settlement of disputes. In 1949, a violent white mob prevented an outdoor concert headlined by Paul Robeson from taking place near Peekskill, New York. The concert was held eight days later. In 1957, the USS Swordfish, the second skate-class nuclear submarine, was launched from the Portsmouth Naval Shipyard in Maine. In 2008, Barack Obama was nominated for president by the Democratic National Convention in Denver. Also on this date in 1975, Haile Selassie, the last emperor of Ethiopia's 3,000-year-old monarchy, died in Addis Abba at age 83, almost a year after being overthrown. And we send this out in memory to him.
Today's LMC birthday greetings go out to author Lady Antonio Frazier, who is 83, actor Tommy Sands, 78, bluegrass singer-musician J.D. Crow is also 78, musician Daryl Dragon, 73, actress Tuesday Weld, 72, actor G.W. Bailey, 71. Actress Marianne Sagebrick, 70. 
Actor Paul Rubens is 63. Actor Paul Peter Stormare is 62. Actress Diane Scarwood, 60. Rock musician Glenn Matlock of the Sex Pistols is 59. Golfer Bernard Langer, 58. Gospel singer Yolanda Adams, 54. Rock musician Mike Johnson, 50. Rap musician Bobo of Cypress Hill is 47. Actress Chandra Wilson, 46. And we wish to send out special birthday greetings to Air member Mama Hen, who next week on the 2nd will have her birthday. The LMC Newsroom Thought of the Day comes from German philosopher George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel, who was born this date in 1770, died 1831, who said, Genuine tragedies in the world are not conflicts between right and wrong. They are conflicts between two rights. This has been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom, and we now send you over to Professor Porterfield and the Lucky Numbers. Lucky number, oh, dreaming of lucky numbers, hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers only show for you and me. Superstition, or even make me suspicious. Table with thirteen dishes, it will make me That's mommy, yeah? Yeah, man. Well, okay. Put my trunk in goo for dust. Cause you know some may bring you a seven. Or maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, that's easy in heaven. Lucky number for me. Yeah! Oh, yes, and unlike the Nicholas Brothers, you need not just trust in Goofer Dust because we have the lucky numbers for you. And this week, baby, they are hot. Hot, hot, hot. And I must say that the lucky numbers this week line up with some very profound and good numbers that have already been handed out by my good friend, Beyond the Sun Astrology. You might want to check her out. She knows what the deal is. This week's lucky numbers come to you from ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not slide over there as well and take a look? And they are 3, 5, 15, 18, 30, and 41. That's right, 3, 5, 15, 18, 30, and 41. One. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 309, that's 309, 418, 418, and 959, that's 959. And I'm here to tell you, these are very good numbers, backed up not just by me, but in alignment with other numbers, as I said, that have been already sounded out by our good friend, Beyond the Sun Astrology. So, you know something's up. 
The card of the week this week is the Nine of Clubs. The Shop. Watch over projects, guard your work, and act well. This is a very good week for business concerns, particularly for those who own, run, or manage a shop, either brick and mortar or online. Be careful to act in a professional and business-like manner this week and keep a sharp eye out against plagiarism, stolen pictures, or other types of theft. If you are planning to open a shop in the coming week, it will be a very good time for you to do so, so long as you keep your project square in action and your nose to the grindstone. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know show to get the numbers and card when it first comes out. And if you hit, remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next... We're going to go to the professor's pontification, talking about doctors this evening. If you have any trouble, sort of, maybe if your sight, if your sight has started to go bad, you know, if things are looking blurry and you can't quite find your way around, all you got to do is say, "Help me!" I mean, doctor, my eyes. Doctor, my eyes have seen the years And the slow parade of fears without Christ Now I want to understand I have done all that I could To see the evil and the good without hiding You must help me if you can Doctor, my I've been waiting to awaken from 
That was, of course, Jackson Brown with Dr. My Eyes, and our first Name It and Claim It winner of the evening goes out to noted textile artist and raconteur, Gabrielle Swain, or as she is better known to me, Mom. Tonight on the Professor's Pontification, our topic is Doctor, Doctor, Tell Me the News. Or, how can you know everything if you can't even admit what you don't know to begin with? Tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about hoodoo workers and the field of work that they do. You have probably heard by now, on numerous occasions, not just here, but also on the incredibly well-known, longest-running Conjure radio show in the universe, the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, and other places, such as Candelo's Corner, etc., that it is extremely unusual for any one given individual worker to be absolutely proficient, talented, gifted in every single kind or generalized field of spiritual work. And in hoodoo and conjuring root work, this means that it is almost unheard of that you would ever find someone who is perfectly versed at doing every kind of work, love work, curse work, cleansing, jinx breaking, law, court case work, breakup work, you name it, fill in the gap. They are an absolute expert in everything, and they do it all perfectly, and they do it all without question for every client. This is pretty much not something you find. Am I saying it's impossible? No, I'm not saying it's impossible. We live in a universe with luminaries. There are great people in the past, Renaissance women and men who could turn their hand to almost anything. But I am saying it is unusual. It is the exception, not the rule. And it presents, therefore, a case for our discussion this evening. As you know, each and every week here on the Pontification, I try to discuss some little topic that will be of benefit, not only to those who are already but also those who are preparing themselves to enter into that field or have just entered into that field or those who are outside of that field who still participate in it and need good advice to help guide them in this world. And so this particular discussion goes out a bit more towards the practitioners, whether already established, just established, or coming up or preparing themselves to take that step into being quote-unquote professional practitioners, whether they're doing work for their friends, their family, or others. 
in the world of medicine, no doctor self-prescribes, self-diagnoses, and self-cares for themselves in every situation. No GP says, oh dear, I've, I've fallen in the hall and broken my leg. Well, I'll just set the cast myself. No doctor says, oh, look at this. I, I, I'm a gastroenterologist, but it appears I'm having some heart difficulties. I'll just take care of it myself. Doctors go to other doctors. Therapists go to other therapists because sometimes the strain and burden of being a therapist and hearing all of your patients' concerns can cause a disruption in your own well-being. Priests go to other priests. Imams go to other imams. Rabbis go to other rabbis. The list goes on and on and on. You cannot expect to set yourself up as an island. And when you do, if you do, you are preparing yourself for a pretty heavy fall. You see, a spiritual practitioner has to have a delicate balance of personality and of thought. You have to understand what you can do. You have to have confidence. No client wants to go to a spiritual worker who has no personal confidence, who hymns and haws and ums and maybes and sucks at their teeth and goes, well, oh, I don't know. I, uh, I just, uh, I'm not... Clients come to you expecting and needing confidence. But it is important that the confidence they receive from you is based in truth, not based in fantasy, not based in illusion. It's important that when you say, I know how to do this, I know how to help you remediate your situation, whatever it was, your love situation, your luck situation, your gambling situation, your work situation, your money situation, your court case situation, your needing to be cleansed, purified, have a jinx broken off of you, the need to jinx someone, hot foot, that old devil neighbor who's out there causing problems, selling drugs, doing something detrimental to the neighborhood and the, the little kids in the street. You need to be able to confidently say, this is what we're going to do. And then to either do that work for them or guide them to doing that work for themselves or a combination. But when you stop learning, you start falling. When you say, I know it all. I've got the answers. I'm the pro from Dover. There is no need for me to continue to learn. You go immediately from being on the feet of wisdom to being dumped 
on the ass of a fool. Right there. Any person of merit, of schooling, of knowledge, of wisdom, whether it be in a spiritual realm or a scientific realm, continues to study, to learn, and to gain knowledge. I am sure many of you are aware of who Dr. Stephen Hawking is. Perhaps the greatest mind in theoretical physics and astrophysics currently alive. He continues to alter, to update, to change, to even openly say that he has been wrong about things he said in the past as he continues to expand his knowledge and to share it with us. That is an act of humility and wisdom. So how do you continue to learn? Well, obviously, you can continue to study. You can continue to take in knowledge in whatever form that is from written materials, from your own experimentation, from your own life experience, from the client. But also you need to be able to do so from peers and elders. And many of us have no problem going to an elder because they are that. They are an elder. We respect them. We see their worth. We understand their knowledge, their wisdom their experience not only in the field, but also in life, and we have no problem going sometimes and sitting, quote, at the feet of the elder and learning from them. Whether that person is your grandmother, your great-grandfather, your uncle, your auntie, another Hoodoo practitioner who is your elder either in the practice or in age, another member of a spiritual clergy or practice that we engage in, uh, such as in the ATRs and DTRs, people have no problem with that. That is not the crux of our discussion this evening. The crux of our discussion this evening is going to peers, going amongst your fellows. A lot of people have some serious problems with this. Why? Well, it can be humbling. It can even be a blow to a tender ego. Some people can feel put down by it, that they had to go to someone they regard as a peer and an equal, not as an elder. But it is absolutely necessary that you be able to do this. Why? Well, First of all, because you just don't know every goddamn thing. You're never going to know everything. It would be impossible. Not only is the subject of hoodoo broad and vast, but it covers generations, hundreds of years. Then finally, also, there's a matter of regionalism. What's done in Arkansas is not exactly everything that's done in the Carolinas, or in Florida, or in Georgia, or anywhere else. So you have to be able to learn from others because you just don't know everything. And you're never going to know everything. Second of all, hoodoo remains 
primarily more an oral tradition than a written tradition. Yes, yes, we have excellent written sources. Excellent written sources. And you should go and look at those written sources. But there is so much still to be learned out of an oral tradition. So you just can't go and pick up the Encyclopedia Hudica and, you know, switch down to page 70,000 and read what's there whenever you want. Even if the guy wants to come around and sell you the lovely alligator leather bound 146 volume set of the Encyclopedia Hudica. Now, I know right now you're saying, how much would I pay? Let me tell you, this will be a benefit to you, your children, and your grandchildren. There is none. To me, there is no mistake, none whatsoever, that shows, such as the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour and my show, exist that they exist, although transmitted through technology, still as an oral tradition. So you have to be able to go to your peers. You have to be able to go to your peers because, A, you don't know everything. B, you're not going to be absolutely talented at everything. Let's say, for an example, that you are not particularly good at court case work. Well, you have to be able to go to a fellow. You have to be able to go to a companion, a peer, a trusted colleague, an ally. First of all, because you want your client to get the best possible work they can. And there's the rub for some people. There's the rub. Some people say, But I don't want to give up the money. The client will pay them instead of me, and then I won't have the money. That's right. You won't have the money. Your colleague will take the money because you're sending the client to them because you're not very good, in this example, of doing court case work. But what sort of a worker are you if you take the money and deliver shoddy goods rather than making sure your client got the best work? Let me tell you a truth. This is from experience. A client that you send to another worker will come back to you. They won't come back to you for whatever it was that you're not talented in, obviously. You sent them to someone else to get court case work. If they continue to need court case work, they will continue to work with your professional colleague that you referred them to. But they'll come back to you for other work because they will immediately see that you have a dimension of greatness, that you have humility that you have honesty, and that at the end of the day, you were looking out for them rather than looking out for yourself. And that is one of the definitions of professionalism. To give the client, no matter what 
the work may be bricklayer, plumber, electrician, car mechanic, the best service, the best product possible. They'll come back to you. Now there's another soft difference here. Sometimes you might be good at court case work, but you fucking hate court case work. It drives you batty. It drives you batty. You just can't stand it. I mean, you're really good at it, but you don't want to deal with it. I know many, many workers in many different kinds of spirituality who have this exact situation. My dear brother, Candelo Cambisa, doesn't want to take love work because it drives him around the bend. Am I saying he can't do it or he's not very good at it? No, I didn't say that. I say he prefers not to do it. I know people who are very skilled at curse work, but they don't care to do it. They have a ethical or moral objection to it or a personal objection to it. They don't want to do curse work, even though they're highly talented at it. One of my elders, dear friends, teachers, is very, very skilled at death magic, but they don't do it for other people because they have made that choice. So there are other reasons beyond just, quote, not being very good at it, that you need to be able to send clients to a trusted colleague, friend, ally, and peer. So that's the first part of our discussion. Now let's discuss the next one. Let's discuss Dr. My Eyes. Doctor, doctor, can you give me the news? As I started out near the beginning of this, I said essentially that no person is an island. And this is very true. We are all part of the vast human community and then smaller and smaller and smaller communities. And one of the pitfalls that many spiritual practitioners, not just of hoodoo, but of other forms of spiritual practice fall into is a sense of imperviousness, a sense of invulnerability, or a sense of being able to take care of their own needs without help, absolute self-reliance. This is not just true of, as Candelo calls them, the chest beaters, you know, all the big-ass thugs who are out sitting around, hey, man, I can do whatever I want. I can do blah, 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 blah. I'm big boy. I'm big dog. I'm alpha wolf. And I can do anything, anytime. And they come in all different sizes and sexes. From every different corner of the world, there's always some bully who thinks that they're the toughest son of a bitch in the room, no matter what. No, this does not just happen to them. This also happens to people of abiding intellect, dear and close, harmonious heart, ethics, good morals, straight thinking. Any of us can get overwhelmed. We can get overwhelmed by our personal life, 
and having to deal with the intricacies of that, just like anyone in reflection with our professional life, we can get overwhelmed by too many clients. We can get overwhelmed by individual clients who are very much in need of a greater share and segment of our time. And I am not here talking about a client who might be, quote, needy or a client who might be maybe perhaps experiencing some mental health issues. I'm talking about people who have very real problems. They just have very big real problems. And they're coming to you to aid with that, and it's not an easy fix. It's an ongoing thing. We can get overwhelmed by our own work. We can get overwhelmed because in our community, let's tell the truth, in Hoodoo and Conjure, people will throw at each other sometimes at the drop of a dime. We can get overwhelmed for lots of different reasons. And if we sit believing either that, A, we can totally handle it all the time, or B, some kind of smugness that we're absolutely in charge of everything, you know, nothing can touch or harm me, I don't need anyone else, I'm an island, well, that island ends up like Krakatoa, which we heard about during the news. Boom! So you have to also be able to go to your peers and colleagues to aid yourself as well. And I'm living goddamn proof of it. I am here to tell you right now, with no shame, with no embarrassment, that I do this. And anyone that wants to chuckle up their sleeve or hold their hat against their chest and speak down into it and go, well, he must not be a very good hoodooist. He must not be a very good conjure doctor. He must not be very powerful. He must be weak. You're a fool. You're a goddamn fool. I am none of those things. I am a very good practitioner. I am strong in my own way. I have an abiding intelligence and knowledge. And if you think for a heartbeat that I do not go to other practitioners when I need help, you're damn Silly. Of course I do. Do I pick and choose them carefully? Are they trusted friends and allies? Yes, of course. I don't just go to anybody, and neither should you. You should have a trusted worker on your side, even if you are a worker. That's the damn point of this. There are people in the chat room right now, and they know who they are, and there's more than one of them that I have gone to for help in spiritual work not only on behalf of another client to seek knowledge and wisdom from them about matters that I didn't know or to pass referrals to them because they did the thing better, but also for my own goddamn self. And if you're going to go into a spiritual practice and you do not have the chops to admit when you're in over your head or when you need help, or when you don't have enough knowledge to fulfill your responsibilities to your client or to yourself, let me give you a piece of advice. Get the hell out right now. Do yourself a fucking favor and get out right now. If you're going to go and study to be a virologist, and you're going to become a virologist, and you feel no need in your life that you may need a fellow virologist, 
either to help you for a patient or because you yourself have been exposed to something, oh my God, I hope you never become a virologist because you're going to endanger us all. Let's not be dumber than the average GP. Let's not be stupider than the average general practitioner medical doctor who goes to a goddamn doctor when he or she needs to see a goddamn doctor. This, at the end of the day, should never be a matter of ego. Why? Because if you will stand around with your arm cut off and because of your ego say, no, I'm fine, it's fine. No, it's a bit of blood. It's no big deal, love. It's nothing. It's not. I'm just going to put a torch on it. It'll be fine. Put a Band-Aid. Off I go. I didn't even like that arm. I never used it. I'm right-handed. I don't give a fuck about my fucking left hand. It's fine. I'm fine. And everybody else going, your fucking arm's cut off. No, no, no. I did on purpose. You're a fool. You're going to bleed to death. Now, it's a self-correcting system. You're going to bleed to death, and, well, it's not a problem anymore. But also, you have to stop and say to yourself, how does that attitude that I have filter down to my clients, to these other people? Where does that ego, where does that self-importance, where does that self-absorbed arrogance slide down into how you're going to deal with your clients. Because you can't separate the two. I mean, it's a part of who you are. You're clearly doing it. You've got a client. This client needs something you don't know how to do. What are you going to do? Sure, you can just turn them away and say, sorry, I don't know. Bye. And throw them back into the vast pond of troubles that they tried to come to you for. You can have a client and you can say, uh, oh, well, they won't need something, I don't know how to do it. I'll just fake my way through it. Is that what you are now? A faker? You're just going to fake it till you make it, hope it all works out? I'll just throw salt and red pepper at it till it gets better. Is that who you are? You have to be able to do this. So that leads us to our final part of tonight's pontification. How? How do I do it? Well, the first thing is, you step back and you say, have I set myself up as an island to begin with? Do I have friends and allies and colleagues to begin with? If you don't, if you have no one else who is a spiritual practitioner in your method of Practice. I'm not just talking about hoodoo here. That you can go to. No one. No other friend. No other colleague. You need to take a sharp, quick, clean look at your goddamn life. You need to stop and say, wait a minute, have I set myself up as the top of the pyramid? Is this going to be, you know, I'm going to drive by in the Rolls Royce where everybody else is picking the, the wheat and the, the flax, and, and wave at them, and they're going to go, oh, the leader, the leader waved at me, oh my God! Have 
friends, allies, peers, and colleagues who are spiritual practitioners, then you have to start saying to yourself, whom of these can I trust? Now that may seem like an odd statement, because they're your friends. They're your colleagues. What do you mean, trust? Well, first of all, do they adhere to the same principles that you do? Are you willing to pass a client off to them? Do they engage in the same level of worker, client, confidentiality that you do? Can you trust them to keep confidentiality for that client? Can you trust them to keep confidentiality for yourself if you go to them? Or are they going to spread it around? So you have to find someone that you can trust. That's the first step. It's a difficult process. Trust is always hard won, not easily given, but it can be a very important thing. And once you have that, then you need to start saying, what do I need? Meaning, in terms of my clients, what am I not good at? I'm not good at coursework. I'm not good at this, that, or the other thing. So now you need to find friends, colleagues, and peers who are good at that. Then you need to say, what am I not willing to do? What am I just not willing to do? I'm good at it. I could do it standing on my damn head with a silver dime on my big toe. But I don't want it. Now you have to find friends and colleagues that are good at it, that are ethical, and that are willing to take it on. If it works out correctly, if you handle this like a professional, which is hopefully what we all intend to be, you quickly end up with a small circle, or perhaps an even fairly wide circle, of people that you can refer clients to and who are themselves referring clients back to you into cooperation. Ah, but there's the rub again. A lot of people want to deal in a scarcity model. If I send a client away, that's money out of my pocket. There aren't enough clients to go around. We can't all stay in business. It's dog-eat-dog dog out there. Let me tell you something. Don't be a goddamn idiot. Don't be an idiot. Stop for a minute and step back and see what it is that causes people to need a spiritual worker. Money problem. Love problems, curses, bad neighbors, bad in-laws, life troubles. Let's just sum it up that way. Life troubles. People are still alive. People still got troubles. People still need people to aid them. There is no goddamn scarcity of human fucking troubles! And when you think there is, and you think you've got to have every damn client in the United States of America, you're not a solution. You're another one of life's fucking troubles. To yourself, to your clients, to your friends, to your family, and to your colleagues. I have never, ever, lost money because I said to a client, 
I can't do this work for you. Or I'm not the best person for this work. The best person for this work is Catherine Ironwood, Candelo Cambisa, Madame Nadia, Miss McHale. You can get that, but you should buy that from Papa Newt, not from me. You can get that, but you should do this. You should get your astrology reading done by Beyond the Sun Astrology. You should do this. I have never lost a single goddamn dime. People say, oh, but sure you did, because they went away and you didn't get the money. No, fuck you, I never had the money to begin with. How can I lose something I didn't have? It wasn't in my pocket. You can only lose what you have. All else is fucking illusion, baby. And what did I do? I helped the client. I helped my colleague. And that's remembered. So either you can stand up and be clean, and you can do what's right for your clients and for people out there, and for yourself, because I have never lost a penny by going to one of my colleagues and saying, I need help. I need a reading from you. I need you to do this work for me. I need you to burn a candle for me. I need you to send me a protective amulet because I'm in under my fucking head. I need a little extra help. I've never lost a penny doing that either because it got me out from under whatever. It aided me. It gave me an extra bit of wisdom as well as some learning. So it's a win-win-win. So either you learn to drop your ego a little bit and admit that you are not the center of the goddamn universe and you don't know everything and have some trusted people around you and be a trusted person with them, or baby, you're just going to end up with the Root Doctor Blues. doctor in this land I'm a first class root doctor I don't buy no other doctor in this land My remedy is guaranteed to cure you Pills and pains ain't in my plan young girl You claim your regular doctor Makes you feel like a real young girl Dr. Clayton's root treatments make you feel like an angel Flying around in another world I don't leave a star nowhere I got a streamlined way of operating Darling, I don't leave a star nowhere i 
mere. Employment. 
The Wakimal Joe Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California is both an online magical shop and a real magical store that you can visit. They carry a full line of handmade spiritual supplies, including occult oils, incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, books, and spell kits. For those who practice and cast magic spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells in the African-American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witchcraft traditions. <laughs> so why not stop by and see them at 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Who? I'm talking about the Wakimo Joe Curio Company. Come and see them model trains and all the tiny, tiny, tiny people and watch the trains go around and around and around slowly, slowly as you are lured into a sense of deep hypnotic response to my voice. And then go on over to the world's smallest church. That's right, the world's smallest church, the missionary independent spiritual church just outside the doors of Lucky Mojo and take a moment of quiet meditation and prayer and then go into the store if you dare and browse the aisles and see the thousands upon thousands of items from all around the world. <laughs> it's so scary! Or, if you can't get there in person, you can see them on the internet at www.luckymojo.com and in the privacy of your own home with a raven on the bust of palace, go slowly through all of their catalog, page after page, looking at all the fabulous items that they offer for sale via the internet. Once again... That's the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California, and online at www.luckymojo.com. Tell them that Count Goulash sent you. <laughs> wow. Just wow. Fantastic. As always, thank you, Count. Thank you, Count Goulash. And and like I said, folks, he's on the payroll now, so you can expect to hear a lot more from Count Goulash. Who knows? We may even have him in here to read the news. I don't know, but he's he's on the team now, and baby, we're glad to have him. Up next, a little something I like to call. That's right, the secrets of scriptural sorcery. Tonight we're going to be talking about some snakes in the grass. Some guys you got to look out for. Not not upstanding sort of people. Not not holy John. Yeah. Hey. 
Prosperity ministry and prosperity ministries are a con game. There, I said it. You can tune out right now if you want, but I really wish you wouldn't because I really want you to hear this. They're a con game. Prosperity ministries, seed ministries are nowadays primarily ministries within the evangelical Protestant Christian church. We don't see it too many other places. That engage in a philosophy whereby those who are participating in the ministry or listening to the ministry often at home, often watching on television or listening to the radio, through an act of faith, through an act of faith, should give so that they may receive. Prosperity ministries turn a number of biblical passages on their heads. And they are, quite honestly, too large for me to even get into. We would be here all night just talking about passage after passage after passage from Scripture that prosperity or seed ministries turn on their head, change, mistranslate, or outright lie about. But the basic idea is this. If you have faith, and you believe in the Lord, and you give up something, this is your act of faith. If you send me money as an act of faith, auto de fe, then the Lord will bless you. Prosperity ministers will actually say things like this. Let's say you have a lot of debt. Let's say you have a lot of debt right now. You're overcome by debt. The credit card bills are stacking up. The mortgage payment is due. You owe insurance payments for the child's medical bills. You don't have enough food in the pantry, but you have $100 in your bank account. Now, we all know that $100 is not enough. Oh, no, Lord. $100 is not enough to buy those groceries, to pay for that child's medicine, to take care of those utility debts, to pay for that house's mortgage. It's not enough. Therefore, in faith, take that $100 and send it to me so that the Lord will see your belief in him so that the Lord will know that you believe, and you will be blessed. You will be blessed. It will return to you as the loaves and the fishes multiplied. Your hundred dollars that you have given up will come back to you a hundredfold, and then you'll have enough money for all those things. Now, I'm not making that up. That's a quote. That's a goddamn quote. You can go out. Snoop around. Doesn't take much. You'll go out, start reading about this, type it into Google, and I guarantee you, within less than 15 minutes, you'll go, my God, Professor Porterfield quoted that man word for word. Now let's consider what that man just said. That man just said, sick baby, I need the medicine. 
House about to be in foreclosure, don't need a mortgage payment. Lights about to be off, don't need to pay utilities. No food in the pantry, don't need food in the pantry. Take your last $100 and send it to me. And then you'll be blessed. People have lost not hundreds of dollars, not thousands of dollars, but tens of thousands of dollars to this scam. And that's what it is. It's a scam. It's a goddamn outright scam. But what is this guy doing hoodoo? I'm coming to that. I'm coming to that. What it has to do with hoodoo is that, first of all, anybody who engages in this kind of spiritual fraud makes all of us look bad. I'm not talking about Christians. I'm not talking about Jews. I'm not talking about members of the Abrahamic faith. I'm not talking about Muslims. I'm talking about any of us that are spiritual practitioners of any stripe get hit with the same stick when some son of a bitch does this. I don't care if he calls himself a Methodist, a Baptist, I don't give a shit. Okay? What he is is a con artist. And his little wife with the bouffant hair and the too much makeup is a con artist with him. All of them. Every last stinking one of them. That's the first thing it has to do with hoodoo. The second thing it has to do with hoodoo, and this is why we're talking about it in tonight's Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery, is it flies in the face of actual work that people like I and you do. Because we don't tell clients, just send me money and money will magically appear. We do something for them. Does it always work? No. But are we giving 100% guarantees? No. Is this guy giving 100% guarantee? Yes. We have a snake in our midst. Now, it's easy to blame the victim. That's what we as Americans love to do. Gosh darn it, there's nothing better than being a damn American. Because if you're an American, particularly if you're a white American, and a white male Christian American, you're absolutely positively sure that every single woman who got raped deserved it. That every single person who got shot by the cops must have done something. Them Native Americans, well, they were just pescally taking up a lot of land now, weren't they? We love to blame the victim. And it's all well and good to sit back and watch the atheists, the evangelical atheists, chuckle up their sleeves about how bad religion is and these stupid people and they have no critical thinking. But that's not what's going on. What's going on here is a betrayal of trust. A betrayal of faith. People who have belief are having their belief used against them. To scam them. To empty their pockets. And many of us know people this has happened to. An aunt, a grandmama, a friend of another friend in our families. They listen. Why do they listen? Some of them listen because they're alone. These stations are on 24 fucking 7. These people are preaching all the time. And they preach a lot of nice little things to make you feel good. Lonely people need an outlet. They have all sorts of different ways of working the scam. There are people with cancer that the doctors have already said, hey man, there's we've done everything. We've done everything. There's nothing left. 
are they supposed to just have some sort of atheist bravery and say, well, it's, it is what it is, I'm just going to die, farewell. They're just supposed to step out of the tent into the middle of the ice storm and say, I think I'm going to take a walk. People want to live. They'll clutch at anything to have life. Here comes Mr. Snake, tells them, send me $1,000. God will reward you. And it flies in the face of almost everything that we have talked about in this segment each and every week. It abuses faith. It takes scripture, turns it on its head. And it makes the most seemingly ridiculous bit of money work that any of us could ever do look grand by comparison. What does this have to do with hoodoo? Why are you telling us this, Professor Porterfield? I'm telling you this because these churches, these ministries, are growing. And they're taking money after money after money after money after money after money. And you need to know this. Why? Because if you're listening to this show, and if you stay around every week and stay tuned in for the Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery, you have an interest. You have some interest. Sure, you might be sitting out your time until the In the Kitchen segment, you know, making a sandwich or whatever, but you probably have an interest. You want to know about how to use the Bible in hoodoo. You want to know about that tradition, and it is a deep and abiding tradition. You want to hear more about what Miss McHale and I and others have to say about the use of Scripture and the use of the book in all sorts of different ways whether it be divination, to aid in cleansing, to aid in protection, and yes, for prosperity work. You want to know about it. So if you're going to know about the good, you've got to know about the bad. Because otherwise you'll be undefended. I don't mean for a heartbeat that you'll fall into the trap. I mean, you will probably in your life have clients who have been taken by this. And they will take these people money till the moment they die. Keep sending the check. Let me tell you other things they do. They'll send pieces of cloth. Pieces of blessed cloth. Prayer cloth. Any of this starting to sound familiar? To their people that have sent them money and tell them to rub it on themselves or to write things on it and send it back. They'll send them <clears throat> specially prepared oil. Now, let me just tell you, this stuff they send and they call spiritual oil does is, does not even look as good as Indio product. Okay? Sorry if I offended anybody with that, but it's just the goddamn truth. You could make something better with the 23rd Psalm, olive oil, and food coloring. This is, this is way, way, way cheap-ass snake selling shit. And they send it to them, and they say, pour the oil over this piece of paper I sent you. Put your hand against the outline of my hand and draw the outline of your hand. Put your foot against the outline of my foot. They do this kind of shit. See, what they're doing is they're being half-assed con men conjure artists. So it has to do with hoodoo, and it has to do with us. And just as it is the responsibility 
of every single ethical, intelligent, and decent person of any of the ministries of the Abrahamic faiths. I mean any of them. Rabbis, imams, I don't care. Catholic priests, I don't care. To stand up and say, this is a scam. These people are twisting scripture. These people are taking you for money. These people are doing this under our auspice. They're doing it under our blanket, under our tent, and we need to clean our own house. And just as that is their responsibility, for you, as root workers, as conjure doctors, as practicers of hoodoo, it is your responsibility too. You have sat here with me for 41 damn weeks and gotten the sugar. Now it's time for the damn stick. Time for the salt. Here it is. You've gotten the sweet. Now it's time for the sour. You've learned. You've taken in. You've read. You've practiced. You've put the Psalms to use in your life. You've called upon people from the Bible for help. You've used pits of scripture. You've learned to divinate with the Bible. You've gained so much. Now, here's the cost. You have to stand up and say, this is half-assed chicanery. I know. I'm a conjure doctor. I do the real thing. Not as a member of the clergy of any of the Abrahamic faiths, but as a member of a spiritual practice that does use Use prayer, that does use scripture to aid people, to protect people, to, yes, attempt, and there's the word, attempt to help their prosperity, their luck, their blessings, their family, their peace, their troubles at night, you and I have to stand up and say something about this. And if you don't, then you're part of it. You're just taken and running. This has to be hit from both sides. Because some of our people, I'm talking about people in our community, and some of our elders are being hornswoggled and robbed blind by these people. And just as good ministers, good priests, good reverends, good rabbis, good whatever, have a responsibility to stand up against this, so do good conjure doctors, good root doctors, and good hoodoo practitioners. We have a responsibility, and now you know about it. And I encourage you to go out. Just go to Google, type in Prosperity Ministry, Prosperity Ministries, Seed Ministries, and read a little bit, and you will be shocked. And that is our segment this week. As always, the knowledge we share here each and every week comes not only from our own knowledge, but also from Hoodoo Bible Magic, Sacred Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery, by my dear friend Miss McHale and myself. And we thank her for its inclusion in the show each and every week. Up next, we're going to be going over to the kitchen. And this week, we're going to be talking about red onions. That's right, red onions, not green onions.
was, of course, Booker T and the MGs with Green Onions. And we have our second Name It and Claim It winner this evening. That song was correctly identified by our one and only and beloved Miss Catherine Ironwood. Good for you, Miss Cat. And it leads us right in to this week's In the Kitchen section. And this week, unlike some weeks where hopefully you don't have goofer dust in your kitchen, you might just have a red onion in your kitchen. Red onions, sometimes called purple onions, and often miscalled Bermuda onions. The Bermuda onion is actually a variety of sweet onion grown on the island of Bermuda, whose seeds were originally imported from the Canary Islands in 1888, are a sweet onion, much like the Texas sweet onion, which has dissipated the Bermuda onion. No, no, we mean red onions, purple onions, which are cultivars of the onion with purplish red skin and white flesh tinged with red. These onions tend to be to medium to large in size and have a mild to sweet flavor. They are often consumed raw, grilled, or lightly cooked with other foods, or added as color to, sat, to salads and other foods. They tend to lose their redness, however, when cooked. Red onions are available throughout the year, and the red uh, in them uh, it contains a lot of flavoroids, which is part of the reason that they have that sweet flavor to them. Uh, they can generally be stored for about three to four months uh, at room temperature. They primarily come from three places. Uh, Turda, which is in central Romania, uh, Tropea in Italy, and of course in the United States. And perhaps the most prominent cultivator of red onion in the United States was in Wethersfield, Connecticut, which was a major source of onions for New England until the late 1800s. <clears throat> Red onions are said to be quite powerful. However, some folks say that you have to steal one from a grocery store to get the best use of it. And uh, I make no claim on that one way or another. They can be used for a variety of things in hoodoo, and I will give you a few. You can use red onions to keep a man and lose a man. If your man threatens to leave, write his name on paper. Bore a hole in a red onion with a nail. Roll the name paper up tight into a cylinder and push it into the hole. And carry the onion in your pocket to make him stay. However, if you then want him gone, pull the paper out of the onion, soak it in vinegar, dress it with red pepper, reinsert it, and bury the onion. When it rots, he will leave. You can also use a red onion to hold a woman. Get nine of your woman's fingernail clippings nine of her toenail clippings, and nine hairs from the mold of her head. Cut a hole in a red onion, place the items inside with sugar, 
and stop the onion back up. Bury it in the dirt on the east side of your house at sunrise to help hold your woman to you. You can also use a red onion for peace in the home. To do this, again, you will bore a hole in a red onion. Again, fill it with sugar. Tie a shoelace around it and hide it above the door where folks will walk under it when they enter the home. And then finally, and perhaps most famously, you can burn red onion peelings in a stove for luck. People burn red onion peelings because they are lucky for the home, because they draw in business to a bar, a restaurant, or a boarding house, and because they keep the law away, and finally, because they help in love affairs. For the last name purpose, you can call your lover's name and say, quote, Hold him tight to me. Make him come under my command three times as the red onion peels burn. You may want to remember, however, that burning onion peels are quite odiferous, and the smoke will fill your house, so you should be prepared for that. However, obviously, if you wish to fumigate your house with that, you're not just going to open up the windows and immediately drive it out. So here are a few uses for the good old red or purple onion. Again, we're not talking about the Bermuda onion. We're talking about the red or purple onion. And I hope that you'll take a little time to go out and consider this. Look at them in the store, bring one home, and maybe try some of this. As always, our In the Kitchen section comes to us not only from our own knowledge, but also from Hoodoo Herb and Root Magic, a Materia Magica of African-American Conjure by Miss Catherine Ironwood. And we thank her for its use and inclusion in the show each and every week. Well, folks, as you were told, we went a little over longer than our usual time, but hey, we had no show last week, so we had a lot to catch up with and a lot of good things to talk about. We'll be back next week with yet another full show to help school you so nobody can fool you. And also, uh, this weekend, I will be filling in as co-host on the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, along with Conjureman Ali and our special guest from air, Miss Aida. So why not come and check it out if you don't already? Well, I'd love to stay with you, sit here, talk about red onions more. I have a hell of a lot more to say about Prosperity Ministries. Maybe a little bit more to even say about having valued and trusted colleagues that you can go to for yourself and aid your clients. But uh, I'm the only one here. Count Goulash has already left, and Chet Brink left, and Johnny's turning off the lights in the hall. Nobody here. I mean, this is this is it. This is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. Only Fort Worth, Texas.
the cattle and don't fight the fool with. Come on down to Dallas, King Kong, Kitty. Coming through the territory in Kansas City and Kansas City, St. Louis and St. Louis, Chicago. I'm on my way to the door. This is Miss Loretta Evans of the Quimby First and Second Baptist Church to tell you all that this has been a production of the LMC Radio Network. Oh, isn't that nice? Bye-bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.